0: Everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and I want to share, I'm really excited about today, Uh, my goodness, this was in 2008, I was really excited, my company, a Wall Street firm, was moving me to Denver, and when I got to Denver, I was going to be uh, expanding and helping to grow an office there, and I was told that I was able to stay at the Ritz Carlton as my home and away from home for the months that I was going to be transitioning and flying during the week from Minnesota to Denver, Colorado, because there's a Ritz-Carlton right downtown Denver. And i got to tell you, I've heard about Ritz, but I had never stayed in one. I've been there for some social events. And i got to tell you, if you guys have been there, you know what I'm talking about. Man, it is a different place. You walk in from the person at the door, the guy who was driving the limousine that they had there, the people at the front desk, everybody at the restaurant. It was the Elway Steakhouse that was part of this. But it was like walking into this bubble of this amazing culture of everybody around you that felt like immediately that knew you and cared about you and took pride in everything they did. I was so impressed. And today we get to talk with Horst Schultz, who founded Ritz-Carlton. And Horst, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making the time and being here. Uh, Hi, John. I'm glad to be with you. And Thank you very much for having me. Yes, and as everybody can tell, it sounds like you must be Norwegian, right? No, I'm German. No, I know I'm kidding. <laughs> My whole family's from Norway. <laughs> we are but the Germans are—they're amazing people. But uh, we like to have fun anyway. So you founded uh, the Ritz Carlton Group, but I, and I'd love for you to share kind of how you got there. But you, uh, Horst, you've had a lifetime like this calling and this passion of actually serving people. Because now you work with leaders. Yes, you yes. share you know, advice with them on leadership. How do you attract loyal customers? How do you create a culture that does that? You've been incredibly visionary and really disruptive in the entire hotel industry with some of the principles that you've brought in around excellence and service and competitive advantage and transcending hospitality. And you really did. There's no doubt you shook things up because you know, to this day when people think of just a top-shelf, like, you know, platinum experience, they think of the Ritz. I mean, that has become almost a verb. So it's amazing what you've done coming from where you were growing up in Germany. So maybe start with there. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and everybody listening. We're going to be talking about how do you create a culture that just empowers in a very powerful way all of your people, regardless of your level. How do you um, just have a culture of service Really bring in servant leadership and some other things to keep all that in alignment. But I'd like to turn it over to you, uh, Horst, and just a little bit about you know your early days. Well, I come from a small village in Germany, and
1: left when I was fourteen. My parents found a job, which I wanted very badly in a hotel. Unfortunately, it was the best hotel in the region. So, but I had to leave home when I was fourteen. I lived in a dorm room in the hotel about 60 miles away from home, a little bit over 60 miles, 100 kilometers. At that time, that was far, and uh, worked in the hotel. I was lucky that because I was immediately exposed to a gentleman who was the maitre d' of the hotel, who was a, truly a person of excellence, an exceptional leader, exceptional gentleman, who had made a major impact on me, and you know, I was in the formative years and, you know, let's face it, John, we all are the results of impact that people had on us. And this particular person was exceptional. The first day when I came there to work, in fact, I was 14 years out, mind you, he said, uh, now look here, you don't come to work every day, come to create excellence in what you're doing. Now, frankly, that went over my head at that time. I had to clean ashtrays, clean floors, wash dishes, What's excellent about that? But after a while, I understood that truly you have a chance to define yourself. No matter what job you do, you can have a chance to define yourself as a person of excellence if you are excellent in what you're doing or you sentence yourself to be a servant or whatever can if I you're not a, can excellent. Can I ask you
0: a question, Horst? Yeah. Because I just see this a lot of people, maybe it's, you know, here in America, especially with, you know, in the different generations. When Back then, when you were, you know, cleaning toilets or cleaning ashtrays or, you know, doing menial stuff, right? Yeah. What did he do to help connect, you know, some of those jobs that you didn't like to do to thinking of this bigger concept of excellence? And what advice do you have for people in business today that are really trying to get their their employees to understand, you know what, no matter what it is, whether you like to do it or not, if you understand it's part of the mission. Yes, oh sure. How do we do it with excellence? Well, he didn't only connect us to the job, he connected us
1: to the objective that we Mm -hmm. had. Okay. And that means that was to be the finest hotel in the region, to be respected, to be honored, and to have a good amount of business so we had a decent income and so on. It wasn't the work that we did. It was the objective, the objective to convince every guest to want to come back. He made all this very clear. In fact, I made that clear in my book. Those things, I just stole those thinkings and in fact, that's my thinking today. He connected us to the objective and you know that is, in fact, that is you mentioned leadership. That is leadership by the Mm -hmm. way to not hire people, even don't hire people to fulfill a certain function. But that's what we do, don't we? We hire people to wash dishes, or, or and so rather hire people for the objective of the organization, for the dream of the organization, yes. and not for the function. And, because, and, and as I said before, the, the chair on which both of us are sitting is fulfilling a function. Yeah. He made it very clear, we're not there for the function. The function is there for something greater, and that is the objective. So we knew washing dishes was only a function for us to be recognized and respected and be a successful organization.
0: Okay, so you were at that place, right? You were just starting out. You're young in Germany, yeah. at, working at your first hotel, because this became a lifelong passion for you. Where, Horst, when did you first connect to what you were doing to maybe a sense of a calling? Well, I don't know. Look, it was a little bit different with me. I somehow dreamt
1: working in hotel business when I was 11 years old already. I begged my parents. Nobody liked the idea. Nobody liked the idea. That was not what you did in Germany at the time. Technical job was honorable not in hotel. I dreamt about it. I went into the hotel now, in this hotel, in this beautiful surrounding, which I really appreciate, having to do very menial stuff in the beginning, but I saw something beautiful there, and stayed connected to it, and that made me was able to paint a beautiful picture, meaning the result of what we're doing, and he painted a beautiful picture for my life. He said, Mm. you can work overseas, you can get to know the world, you will be working with the finest people our guests in the world in most beautiful surroundings etc cetera, etc cetera. he painted the picture and always showed us a vision rather than showing us the function of the day and it was very clear to me you see he constantly showed the vision of what we were doing it was very clear to me the menial thing i'm doing is only for a higher purpose So, and he he made it very clear, if you are a human being, you should think higher, you should reach for something higher, other than the function that you're fulfilling. That means always seek excellence in what you're doing. So he had great impact on me, and I carried that with me as I left there and finally worked in the finest hotels in Europe. And truly, not, I don't just say that, I worked in the Plaza Arden in Paris, or the Savoy London, the Borovash Palace, Lausanne, and so on, Honda America Line, and finally ended up in the United States. And I'm, for a year, but I'm still here. I came here in 1964. For a year, I'm still here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and your mission statement for Ritz-Carlton was ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It was our motto. And was it, that it, counterintuitive? Because I would think a lot of the you know, the aristocracy you, yeah. you were actually putting the people who worked in the hotel and calling them equal. and treating them the same the equal of the patrons of your hotel. And that must have been like, really exactly. and that's again shaking things uh, up.
1: Yeah. John, the the way that came about, because I was told by my parents, by everybody, when I went to that hotel, we could never go there. That's only for important ladies and gentlemen. We are servants there. But when I looked at the Metodee, and he went to a table in the room, the guests were proud that he came to them. And when I contemplated that, I wrote an essay about him, and I named that essay I entitled the the essay, We Are Ladies and Gentlemen, Serving Ladies and Gentlemen. I was 16 years old at the time. And what I said there is, if we are excellent, based on what I see by that method, you see that was a reversal. The guests were supposed to be so fine, and we are servants. I could see the guests were proud when he came to the table. They thought he is the most important person in the room because of the excellence that he created. That's when I realized you can define yourself.
2: Mm.
1: If you're very excellent at what you do, you will get the respect and you will be recognized as a fine lady or gentleman. And if you don't do it, you're sentencing yourself to be a servant, actually. Mm. And I took that with me after the SA was very successful. I had an A, which I never had before or afterwards. So it stayed with me. And I made it the motto of Ritz-Carlton when I started Ritz-Carlton.
0: Yeah, in, in your book,
1: you wrote this, right? You said founder. There were other founders. I was a co-founder, I'm sure. And many, many people who did a great job, not only I.
0: Yes. Now, in the book, you say something I think is so important. You know, the power of caring for others determines our success. And I just have always felt, as I know you, and then I learned more about you, right, That that your faith has really carried through where... Your passions, kind of your principles, your philosophies have all come from. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure. But, well,
1: we don't have to have to go far. We only have to go as far. What everybody understands when Moses or Christ told us, "Love your neighbor as yourself." I mean, and <laughs> will I dismiss the employees as my neighbors, or will I accept the employees as my neighbors? The thing is very easy. They are yeah. very close neighbors. In fact. So treat them as you want to be treated yourself. Respect the employees. That's a a sad thing that still exists so commonly in businesses. Again, people get hired to fulfill a certain function rather than offering the employees purpose, which we know if you have purpose is a fulfillment, is fulfilling, is a piece of happiness. And that's part of our problem. Our whole society, we think, pleasure is happiness. Pleasure is not Mm -hmm. happiness.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Pleasure is a moment of fun or whatever it is, or even eating a piece of chocolate for a second and then it's gone. Happiness is being fulfilled. And of course that fulfillment in faith in our lives, faith in Christ fulfills you, and to be part of a purpose in life, in your life functions. So if I hire people to just fulfill a function, not part of the purpose. And it's kind of immoral. I hire people to join me in the purpose of the organization so they have purpose and a sense of belonging consequently. And even Aristotle said people need purpose to be well. In fact, the Bible says so too. People will perish without purpose. And you said people need purpose to what? To feel fulfilled. Oh, yes. Totally. Even the Bible says the people will perish without purpose. So why wouldn't we give an employee not just a job, but a purpose? Incidentally, that is alignment. And everybody talks rhetoric about alignment, but if you ask the employee whom the company calls associate, and now I have taken, taken care of them, I call them associates. Yeah. Well, ask one of those, those associates, what they're associated to and you find they don't know it that's a great question
0: what are you associated <laughs> they would probably say the company name right like oh yeah, I guess yeah, exactly. uh, my employer yeah exactly and what would you uh, like if you were walking in and asked somebody that what would be from your perspective an answer you would love to hear
1: well, I'm first of all, my number one objective is here to make sure the guest wants to come back and I'm connected to creating the finest hotel company in the world. Mm. That's our dream. I'm connected to a dream and we are working on that dream. And I know that it's good for all concerned. I know if we do this, it will be good for the investors, for the employee, for the customer and for society as a whole. This wonderful objective that we have, that's what I'm part for. That's what we're doing here. That's why I'm doing the job I'm doing.
0: So what I'm hearing is, as a leader, we have a significant responsibility to connect the people that we're working with. Not only, it seems like there's two parts to this. The purpose that they're part of for, let's say, that organization, but also where they fit into that and also where this role right now might fit in with their life. And that's really, to simplify, that's what you're calling alignment, correct? That's correct.
1: If I'm connecting every employee to the objective of the company and to the motive of that objective, meaning we want to be the finest hotel company of the world so we can grow, okay? And, of course, that for you, the employee, creates opportunity so that we will be respected, that means you will be respected so that we will be honored because of our excellence. That means you will be. So I'm connecting objective of the organization with motive of the, of the organization and motive of the employee. I'm connecting the three. So now all of a sudden the employee is part of the company and not just fulfilling a function for the company like the computer does.
0: That's an interesting point. So in there, right? You work to connect the motives of your, right, to the motives of the guests, to the investors, to the employees, to your place. Exactly. In the whole world, even. And showing we are a whole common motive. Yeah. Now, when you walk into an organization, because you do some coaching and consulting, and you say not, that that is not connected. Before we talk about how totally, to connect it, what do you think? It, it's totally foreign. It's yes. foreign. Yeah, what creates the, because it sounds so logical, like somebody hears you say that, you're like, oh, yeah, we should all be doing that. But it is rare that I actually <laughs> see that in business. What do you think the reason is? Well, interesting that you said
1: that, yeah. Some people said it's common, all common sense. Yeah. Well, by how common sense doesn't exist? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> common sense well, isn't
0: so common. <laughs> it's not
1: so common because we have not learned that. We have learned that a leadership controls, management controls, mm-hmm. establish a direction and then controls that it happens. Well, but we're dealing with human beings and also we have, we Somehow, management thinks that employees come to work and don't want to do a job. That's absolutely not true. It's up and up. and by the way, when I hear so often well, the wrong employees, wait a second, the wrong employee, maybe they were raised wrong by their parents, they can't help it, but you were the dummy that hired them. That's something <laughs> wrong with your system.
0: <laughs> okay, so how do we change it? It's all processes.
1: First of all, do the right selection. Garbage in, garbage out, similar stuff it, it doesn't matter how well I select though. If I don't select well, my processes, no matter how excellent, nothing good comes out. But if I select well and my processes are not good, nothing else comes out. So I, number one, I have to select the input has to be right.
0: Now, when and you're talking I, about selecting well, is that hiring or is there something yeah, else to yeah. that? Okay.
1: Instead of selecting, Instead of hiring, I'm saying selecting. OK. That's the point. Got it. So I have to have a great process of selecting the right people for the right job. Next, I have to have a great process of aligning the people when they come in to orient them properly. The process is orienting. To align them during the operation not to the function of the job, but to the thinking and objective of the organization. At the same time, align well, them. Let me repeat ex- that. So that is
0: okay. your first focus is because this is opposite I think a lot of people, is to align them to the orientation and the function of the organization, not the job first, right? I'm not hiring That's you correct. to be a bell man, so here's everything about being a great bellman, no, I'm hiring you to be part of a great organization, here is what we do, here's our vision and mission and purpose, and how you are going to be a part of that right now would be being in this role, computer programmer, right, bellman, whatever it happens to be, is that, did I say that right? Absolutely. I love that,
1: okay. You align them to the company's thinking, dreams, wishes, and here's who we are, you and that we spend the whole day just explaining who we are and inviting them to be part of who we are and where we want to be. The next day, we explain them, we align them to the expectation of our customers, of our market. Here's what our market expects from us. Here is how we deliver successfully. And all that is done so we can accomplish the dream that we introduced to yesterday. And on the next day,
0: and that's a fascinating thing, but I may explain you now, please. Yeah, this isn't like a one-hour meeting. Like you just said, If I want people to hear this, you spent a day connecting them- To the company? Yeah. Then we spent a day connecting
1: them to the market, our market, our customer. And then we spend, I spent an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes with each department to help them create their mission statement for their department. And here's what happened there. This is absolutely fascinating for somebody who really gets this. I asked them, what do you want to be as a department? And my you, chan, I asked that question. Every hotel in about 14 countries, from Shanghai to Berlin to Philadelphia, every department, the dishwashing or the marketing department, doesn't matter. And I said, what do you want your department to be six months from now? And they all answered the same thing in Jakarta and in Shanghai and in Philadelphia. We want to be the very best. Wow. I said, wait a minute. Do you all agree because you're all doing it together? Yes. They screamed yes. And then I made sure that the manager of the department stood up and said, okay, here's your manager. Now let's establish his role. His role is to help you to accomplish what you just established. Mm. And we wrote the mission statement. Then I asked them what I mean with being the best. And they said things you will never believe. We want to be efficient. We want to be respected. We want everything that you would like them to be. They said it. I wrote it down and said, now you have a mission statement. And they then reviewed it every four weeks. Now, here's the big issue. What then happened? that a few months later, one of the other employees was a pretty bad employee. After all, they screamed, I want to be the best. I submit leadership was unable to keep it in their mind, in their hearts. It's not the employee, it's us. What the heck do we do? We always expect them to do everything correct. Obviously, in that moment, we failed.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Blinkist is a book summary description that has more than 2500 titles in their archives. They distill the key thoughts and points into easily digestible 15 minute reads. I just recently read Abundance by Peter Diamandis and was so blown away that I got the book from my local public library and read the entire thing others like jordan peterson's 12 rules for life i was quite fine with the blinkist version read in their beautifully designed mobile app at their website export to your kindle or listen to the audio version on the go i prefer to listen while i read along right before i go to sleep i fell in love with this service last year and turned john onto them in december you as a listener have our word that any products or services that John or I advertise on this show we personally use and are not just fans but raving fans Blinkist is definitely in that category so try it with a seven day free trial and if you use our affiliate link that's embedded in the summary of this MP3 or at eternalleadership.com slash Blink It's an easy way for you to help support all the work that Sandra, John, Daisy, Fidias, and myself put into keeping this show going. So please, if saving hours and hours by reading a well-written summary of some of the top books out there sounds like something you'd wanna try for seven days, click on that affiliate link, eternalleadership.com slash blink. Thanks.
0: So when you see an employee fade away, get a bad attitude, drift off, you look at that situation and say, I have accountability directly in that situation at some level, not just, oh, we made a bad hire. Exactly. And it's very easy to dismiss the employee
1: so that I, my ego is intact. And then How I also have no
0: accountability that? to change myself no accountability or what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's what we do as leader, don't we? Which has plan some employees or somebody mm-hmm. else. Don't we do that normally? Come on, let's be honest. I know it's that I, listen,
0: I. I know for a fact that I have done that personally as an employer. I've been, I've hired yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people, and you know, and you get busy, and all of a sudden, and sometimes it's easier to say, well, you know what, we we just made a couple, you know, we just selected a few, you know, bad eggs. So let's yeah, well, just... but sure,
1: and, and that happens. And and that, that does happen,
0: I mean, but if sure. I say it that way. It doesn't force me to go look in the mirror and say, exactly. did we onboard them correctly? Did we care about them? Did we show them how to succeed in their job? Did we create an environment around them that allows Bingo. them to take ownership and thrive? Bingo. Because if I don't ask that question, I can ignore all that. That's right. How can I consequently improve?
1: Yes. I mean, I have to say, where did I fail? Was it a selection? Was it the onboarding or was it the ongoing training and the ongoing leadership? Where did we fail with that person? And somewhere we have to tweak our procedure. It may be in selection. Maybe we hired the wrong guy. That happens. But then at least I should know and not just dismiss it to them and be able to tweak whatever I'm doing wrong. It is us who did something wrong in that moment and not the employee. The employee may have been raised wrong or maybe, unfortunately, smokes strange things at home. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That happens here in Colorado. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) Yeah, particularly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? You bring up a really good point because so many people have not been modeled good leadership. So let's say that I haven't been modeled good leadership and you're coming to work for me and you really want to work hard. And I don't share with you at all where you are not in agreement with what it takes for you to succeed at your job, to please me as your boss, to really be an impact player for this organization. So you're actually trying now to live up to or meet an expectation that's ambiguous. And that is really, really hard. And very few people have been taught, like, how do you really be in agreement with somebody? Because then you can hold them accountable. Yeah, But, you know, this whole kind of this part of the discussion, I think, really points, Horst, to, I think, a significant leadership crisis that we have here in the United States. And I also see it in other parts of the world. And I would just maybe love your two cents on whether you feel we're experiencing a leadership crisis, uh, what it looks like, and, you know, what do we need to do about it? What can we do about it? Well, we have... Overall, a leadership
1: crisis, but we have a value crisis at the same time. Mm. And that's the thing, I mean, when I see, particularly in this great country, John, where, which was created with people that came here to be able to be unhindered in seeking God, when I now, the, the expanding of this country where people decided to go with ox carts and horse carts west, when they, where they didn't know what there was. Those that follow those same people, those same people keep on saying what's in it for me. How can others do a job for me? That Mm. in itself is a crisis. That's a terrible crisis. So that's a concern. At the same time, though, leaders should not plan this situation, but say, how can I, with the people that that I deal with, overcome that? Yeah. And so both things are not happening. And yes, there is a value crisis. There is no unquestionably. We have gone away from God. We have stepped away from God. And all of a sudden think that we are in charge of everything, which is absolutely the, the utmost arrogance. The utmost arrogance. We stepped away from that. And we're stepping away from our... The leadership is in a way doing the same thing. They're stepping away from their role. Their responsibility to create the environment in which employees want to do the job rather than have to do the job. Ooh, That's want, where we are.
0: Want to versus have to, and that what yeah. that says to me is ownership versus basically uh, a feeling of servitude. And can so what does it take as a leader to create in a culture? Because you've done this. This is how this is how you did what you did. You and your whole. Your team is create a culture where people developed and had ownership for their work, for their actions, for how they interacted with other people. Because when we can show up as leaders and actually create that in our people, facilitate that, I believe that a any organization where you have a culture of ownership, that even if you don't have the best product and service compared to your competitors... You are going to dominate them because of the kind of team that operates like that. Yeah. By the way, customers, you're talking, in a way, you're touching on customer satisfaction
1: here, mm-hmm. how we can dominate. And uh, there came recently, uh, Pricewaterhouse made a study that no matter what you buy, that really your satisfaction of the product comes from the service that received from the people, service that received from the organization that sold it to you, 85% of the satisfaction is driven by a culture of serving and caring for the customer. Mm. And incidentally, what is more astonishing is, and we knew that, is that 70% of the customers are willing to pay more for the same product if they receive good attention and service. Mm. So with other words, it's all people (laughs) <laughs> it's all people. And of course, some people talk about business to business, which is a pathetic statement because after all, a company doesn't talk. It's people in the company that talk to people in the other company, yeah. which creates the opinion. And we have to understand that, to accept that, to understand that. So again, it comes back, the processes to create that, again, is the right selection, it's the right orientation, the right trend of the work, of course. Now, Here's what happens. Let's face it. The new guy comes to work, or the new woman comes to work. The manager makes his typical silly team speech. We're a team here. And once that speech is finished and you've filled out all your paperwork, you're turned over to an employee who knows the ropes. Now, you're not in a rope business, but somehow somebody knows ropes, and you turn them over <laughs> to them. Instead of Management teach him first and inviting, make him first the invitation to really join. Join the thinking, not the function. Mm. Now, so you connect them. And guess what happens when you turn the Joe, new, Joe, the new waiter, if you will, turn him over to Bill, the old waiter who was there nine months. Bill walks in the kitchen with the new waiter and tells the new waiter, this company is not good. That's his orientation. It's just, it's unbelievable. Why would we expect an employee like that to be acting like they cared in the, for the organization? Why, why would we accept, expect that? But that's how you do it. Mm. Instead of saying, here's who we are, here's our dream, I am giving you a dream to join, to be part of, to make yours. I'm giving you purpose. Again, Aristotle said, you, people need to be fulfilled, need purpose. Yeah. So why wouldn't we give it to them? Maybe because some organizations don't even know their purpose, by the way.
0: Well, and I think also uh, some people don't know how to, Yeah. right? Because they don't know the purpose, they, or they haven't worked with a, a leader who has right. created an environment like this. Of course, so- yeah,
1: of course. That's a huge part of it, obviously.
0: So if I haven't done that before, like, uh, let's see, like, I just walked in recently to a large organization, this is something they were going to be tackling out of the gate. So this is across from small little, let me kind of uh, say something important here, because we have a lot of business owners, about half of our audience horse are business owners. And these are from what I would call solopreneurs, like myself, as a coach, we got a large team now, though, but one or two people, but also up through CEOs, I know, some very large companies. And it's important at every level, this, right, this dream, this vision, this purpose. So even if you're working with somebody as a virtual assistant or somebody that you're bringing on as a 1099 basis, or you're hiring somebody as a full-time employee, having Mm -hmm. them to understand what they're coming and being a part of when they're working with you or for you or in your organization is critical. And if that doesn't exist, you talked about this a couple places here, Holm, let me go back, right? Day one was... Right. You spent that day, and this is what I'd like you to dig into, you know, aligning, orienting to the thinking, creating that dream, that vision. You spent that whole day as when they're first onboarding. That's correct. Now, when you did that and helped others do that, that first day, what are some elements of that that really resonate with an organization to start kind of realigning how they're doing things?
1: Well, we make that very simple mind you we have in our business we have to we're dealing with the new employee who are probably high school dropouts mm. a minimum wage most of the people in the hotel make minimum wages so we have to connecting with them and don't we don't insult them by talking over talking over their head and so on we just tell them here's who we are as a company by the way in Every hotel that started off new, or we took over in the first 55 hotels, I did the orientation. I explained them who we are. Here's who we are. We have a dream. We want to be the finest hotel company in the world. Then explain them what that is. And explain them, here's the competition. Here's what does it mean be the finest hotel company. And I painted to them the picture, what it means that people are respecting us, that when they hear our name, that they know that, is, that guarantees excellence, that even if a person is somewhere in a cocktail party and says, I work for Ritz Carlton, the people around them turn around to look at them because that must be a person of excellence. I talk, tell them all the things that is our dream, how to be seen, respected as people in the company and as a hotel as a whole. And here's what will happen in that hotel. Every employee is being taken care of. Every employee understands that. Every guest is taken care of, and etc. Every guest is welcomed. And I explained what that, what welcome means. And so we, I go in and build a whole picture. And I said, uh, One day in five years from now, when you drive to work and every morning you stop in a 7 Eleven to buy chewing gum, and that morning the guest, the clerk will say to you, By the way, we, you come by here every morning. Where, do you go to work? Yes, I'm where do you work? And you say, I work for It's Carlton. Is that clerk going to say, Oh, I see? Or is that clerk going to say, Oh, really? And so, in other words, you, the employees, you're defining yourself. And then I give them an example of what it means, defining yourself. I tell the story that I told a million times about when I went, walked in a, my hotel, my bank story. When I walked into a bank and the teller treated me bad. Yeah. And then I talked, what did I tell teller really do when she treated me bad? She defined the bank as a bad bank. Mm. She defined her fellow employees as bad bad people. Because I talked afterwards, made speeches about how bad that bank was. I didn't talk about Susie the teller. So with other words, we cannot allow anybody around us to define ourselves. The whole picture is done that, that day, very carefully broken down. Of course, we shown on a video all the hotel that we have all the hotels that we are planning, and said, that's what you are part of. We mm. show them employees that proudly say, I work for Ritz-Carlton. So it's a whole production of the first day.
0: That's fantastic. And you know what else just occurred to me as you were talking? Even just your mission statement, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, because you said, hey, it could be that person who just graduated high school that you're hiring, right? Yes. Even in your mission statement, you're seeing in people maybe something they're not even seeing in themselves. You're seeing them at their full potential that, you know what, I'm not a high school dropout. I'm not somebody who couldn't get into college. You know, Horst feels that I'm actually a gentleman, that he sees me as having worth and value. And I think that is a subtext
1: And I make that That very clear the first day. You are not servants. You are ladies and gentlemen, Mm. serving people whom we respect as ladies and gentlemen. I discussed with them our our mission statement. I discussed with them our creed. We had a creed and said Ritz-Carlton Hotel is a place where the genuine care and comfort is our highest mission. That is explained. Our mission, that's the vision, our vision statement explains. We will be the finest service organization in the world. That is explained. All that is explained the first day. And then on the end, he said, now you understand who you are when you join us. By the way, after about four hours of orientation, in the first day, we take a break for lunch. And I tell them, look, all go out and have lunch. But if somebody doesn't want the offer that we make you to be part here, because that offer also calls for hard work, for honestly Mm. every day to be excellent. If you don't want to do, be excellent every day, please do not come back after this break. Go home, because you wouldn't be happy here. Leave, nobody even will know that you left. And if you do, I will wish you the best of luck. I wish that you find a great place somewhere else. And there was always four or five people who didn't show up afterwards. But that's great because I didn't want them to be there.
0: You know, I love that, right? Like, hey, this is going to be a lot of hard work. You know, here's what it entails. Here's the vision. And yep. if you don't want to be a part of that, I get it. And, you know, enjoy lunch. And I uh, hope you find something awesome. But then you're having now people that are choosing to come in. You're in agreement that it's going to take work. And now you can actually, if they do falter back for some reason, now you have at least now also something to have a conversation around. Yeah, exactly. And and I tell them,
1: if you come back, however, you have committed yourself and will be made responsible and accountable to do what has been discussed here.
0: That's awesome. Hey, so course, how do people listening, we have people listening all over the world, uh, get in touch with you? Your book is Excellence, is what it's called. It's a fantastic book. Excellent Wins, it is. Yes, Excellence uh, yeah. Wins, yep.
1: Yeah, well, you obviously can get a hope, and I everything we discussed this morning, I, of course, carefully break down in the book, so you can get that, or you can get in touch with me by texting uh, Horst H O R S T 797979.
0: So text Horst to 797979, right? Yes, that's and, right. And that puts you in your system, people will, will hear yeah, from you. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Or your organization. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yes. you get the book at Excellence Wins at, at Amazon and all these other places. Yeah. And uh so Horst, as we wrap up, what are just some final thoughts that uh, you'd like to leave with everybody out there listening?
1: Well, you know, maybe I give you a final thought, a final experience that you have if the, if I have two minutes. Yeah. When I finally worked in the United States in Pittsburgh, and I'm sorry, later in Pittsburgh, in San Francisco, I was a room service waiter. My thought was, I want to have a promotion to room service supervisor. It was a large hotel, there was a number of supervisors. Before I go back to Germany and continue my career in Europe, I was planning on that promotion. And sure enough, a few months later, one of the supervisors was moved further out and there was a promotion possible, but I didn't get the promotion. That was a meaningful moment in my life. Because, and first I thought that shows you how stupid management is. Don't we all think that? And then slowly after two months, I started to admit to myself that the other waiter who got the promotion deserved it more than I did. Mm. And because I was a more experienced waiter, much better experience. However, sometimes in the morning I came a little late and I came and I was tired because I was young and playing in the night before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when the boss asked me to do something that didn't exactly fit my job description, I said, why me, why not somebody else? The guy that got the job didn't either. He always showed up in time, he always smiled, he always was friendly, he always said, I'm happy to do things. Once I realized that, my major d' for many years before showed up in a vision in front of me and said, Horst, you didn't go to work to be excellent. You went to work to work. Mm. And I apologized for him. He may have had passed away in the meantime. I apologized to him and I said, that will never ever happen in my life again. And honestly, it didn't. Any job after that, I was absolutely remind myself every morning I'm going to work for excellence, not to fulfill a function like a chair. I'm think higher. I'm a human being. That was the main change in my life. The impact that I had from the First Medity and other very good people. And then finally came the realization. I didn't do what I learned. I didn't go to work for excellence. I just talked about it. But from there on, believe me, it never happened again. And then I saw so I was promoted. I stayed with, with I went in a club, worked in a club, and I worked back with with Hilton, and then with Hyatt, and was promoted rooms manager to channel manager to regional vice president to corporate vice president, and then I went and was selected to start a new hotel company, which turned out to be Ritz Carlton.
0: Wow, that is so powerful. Don't go to work to work. You need to go to work to be excellent. Excellence wins. Excellence wins. So the book, everybody, and uh, I would really recommend you read it. Excellence wins. It's a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in a world of compromise. And, man, there is compromise is just rampant right now. And I'm telling everybody out there listening right now, if you can just learn to lead with the principles that Horst talked to you about, about caring for your people, creating a culture of excellence, about selecting the people to be on your team that are the right people for the role that you're gonna need for them to play in, but also they fit in your culture that you're creating. You have the ability in this, the way business is going right now, to absolutely dominate and do it in a way that you're lifting up every single person around you. You're just bringing out the best in your people. The people are bringing out the best in what they do, their goods, products, and services. They have amazing relationships with their customers and that now you are actually growing business from a kingdom perspective, a God honoring way, because you're loving God, you're loving people, you're walking in your integrity. And you know what? You can wake up every single morning, totally excited to get into work instead of feeling like it's Monday. You know, for me right now, it's Monday morning. And I used to be like, oh my gosh, I just need to get through Friday. That's no way to live. You want to no. wake up on Monday morning going, woohoo, I can't wait to go see my team and see what the exactly. day has, right? what the day has, what the day holds. Bravo, exactly. Well, Horace, thank you. We had you on before, but we got hacked and we actually lost a few files, so we re-recorded this. And, and like I said, I would love to have you come on. One of the things that you've done incredibly well that I think a lot of leaders struggle with is as I'm bringing on employees or promoting people, how do I, what does it take to delegate successfully? How do I create a culture where people are truly empowered? And how do I, as a leader, move toward being more vulnerable and being more authentic? Because I think all three of those areas all interact with each other. And it's something you talk about in your book. You've done incredibly well. And I'd love to if you have time, come back on the podcast and uh, have you share on that topic if you're open. I would love it, Sean. I would love it, Sean. Okay, that'd be awesome. All right, great. Thank you, all Horst. The best. I appreciate your time. You are the best, and Thank I you. really look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. I do too. Okay. See you, buddy. Have a great one. Thank Bye. you again. You too. Thank you. Okay.